Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Risk with Dr. Naveen Agarwal. Each week we talk about a topic related to risk management of medical devices in a very casual and informal way. This is not a webinar or lecture, rather our goal is to talk about key topics and challenges in a very informal way and share best practices. I'm your host Naveen Agarwal and I'm the principal and founder at Achieve where my personal mission is to help you achieve success in risk management. In this episode, I'm joined by Bijan Elahi. He's a globally recognized expert in safety risk management of medical devices with many years of industry experience. We are talking about the role of collaboration in solving practical risk management challenges. The practice of risk management is quite difficult because there are so many moving parts and it truly is a team sport. So we are talking about why collaboration is important and what are some of the ways we can encourage collaboration in our work environment. We had this conversation as part of our weekly live LinkedIn audio series in front of a live audience. You're about to hear a recording of our conversation. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I'm so excited about this uh, because uh, Pichan is a global, globally recognized expert in risk management. He's a practitioner. And believe it or not, when I started my journey in risk management a few years ago, I came across his book and that was the starting point for me. So to me, he has been a friend, a mentor, and I really respect his opinions and experience. So I'm so excited to have him as a guest speaker today. And guys, we're going to touch upon a very interesting aspect of risk management. You know, in, in, in practice, there's a lot of challenges, right? We come across different practical challenges when we try to implement uh, the requirements. And uh, the point here is that the collaboration, the spirit of collaboration, we have to bring. Risk management truly is a team sport. So how we can encourage and promote collaboration in solving these practical problems is what I'm going to talk to Bijan about. And uh, we also are going to talk to you about a conference that's going to come up very soon. So we have uh, a lot of ground to cover. But guys, as always, you know, this is going to be very interactive. And uh, once our conversation sets the stage for about 10, 15 minutes, I'm going to start inviting you to participate and share your thoughts. Share your practical challenges that you come across with and how you have benefited from collaboration or encouraged collaboration in your workplace. That is how we learn from each other. Having said that, let's get going. So, Bijan, I'm so excited to welcome you once again. Uh, please start by introducing yourself to our audience once again. Yes. Hi. Hi, Naveen. Uh, and thank you for having me. My name is Bijan Elahi, and uh, I am a practitioner of uh, risk management in medical devices for uh, about 13 years now. And uh, I where I work for a large medical device company, and I also teach in universities uh, the same subject, uh, both in Europe and in the U.S. And um, I've written a book on the subject that Marine mentioned, uh, but this seems to be quite popular. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a reason why it's popular, right, Bijan? Because it is really meant for the practitioner. Uh, yeah, so yeah. What, what I'll do, guys, I'll share the link to that book as part of uh, uh, the notes for this event. Uh, but Bijan, let's start by talking uh, about some of the key practical challenges that you come across where people struggle the most in day-to-day -day practice of risk management. 
Well, Naveen, the number of challenges are uh, numerous. Uh, there are many, many things that uh, are not so easy in the world of risk management. Um, for example, uh, risk estimation. Uh, we need to do a risk estimation. We need to have a P1 and a P2 as defined by ISO 14971. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, estimating P1 itself uh, is not so straightforward. Mm -hmm. Estimating P2s requires clinical information. And so uh, how do you connect with your clinical investigators uh, or uh, maybe publish scientific papers on the subject to be able to derive your P2s? Um, that that's one area of just just a risk estimation, mm -hmm. and then um, another area is benefit risk analysis. Uh, this is an area that is uh, currently subjective, and uh, it it's been nice if we could make it more objective. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe uh, use maybe more quantitative methods to do benefit risk analysis. Um, and uh, another one is the risk acceptability. Yeah. We, we are required by the standard to define risk acceptance criteria, uh, and each company is supposed to have a policy defined and documented that says how do we come up with this risk acceptance criteria. Um, well, um, as you can imagine, uh, a manufacturer can has control on this because uh, it's actually given from by the standard, it's given to the manufacturer to define the acceptance criteria. So how do you define criteria that are sensible and defensible. Yeah. Uh, because uh, you, have, you have freedom to choose what they are. Yeah. Um, another area that I think is a real big challenge in uh, risk management is the complexity of the risk management file. Uh -huh. There are so many moving parts uh, and uh, maintaining integrity is very difficult. Um, I don't know if you can imagine, let's say you have uh, hundreds of pieces that are linked together. It's like a matrix. Yes. Yeah. And then you, you, you touch one of these nodes and the whole thing starts vibrating. Yeah. You maintain the integrity. Everything has, is affected by it. Uh, it's, it's, except for use of software tools, I just don't know how one can reasonably manage that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what, what you're describing really are sort of day-to-day -day practical challenges. It's the how of risk management that you know practitioners struggle. And these are questions that there are no clear-cut answers. And it all depends upon you know, our unique situation. And that's the reason why we get together here on a weekly basis, we talk to each other, we share experiences, right? And that's the spirit of collaboration, I think, that, that you're talking about. But I'm very curious to hear, like, can you, can you share one example from your experience where collaboration really helped solve a tough practical problem in risk management. Um, sorry, but your, your sound was uh, kind of cutting in and out. Mm -hmm. uh, no problem. Uh, but, uh, you were asking me. Yeah, I was asking about like one one example from your experience that if you could share, where collaboration really helped solve a practical risk management problem. How did it, you don't have to go into any yeah. kind of proprietary details. Yeah. But uh, anything that comes to mind where collaboration was really, really critical. Yeah. I can tell you an example. Uh, uh, there, there was a time I was on a project and I was trying to estimate my P2 numbers. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was uh, reading a bunch of published scientific papers. Uh, I noticed that each paper is describing the condition in 
different ways, uh, the same same disease or same outcome, uh, different words by different researchers. Mm -hmm. And um, I wasn't really uh, able to easily connect these uh, various papers together. So I needed to collaborate with uh, uh, one of our, uh, our chief med medical officer, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and he was able to help me um, decode the way that uh, these clinical researchers have described these different medical outcomes. And then with that, I was able to then, with uh, the help of our chief medical officer, classify them in properly. Yeah. Um, you know, what we, like, is this supposed to be considered a critical or is this a, is it a major, uh, is it a minor way? Well, how do you classify it? Yeah. And um, so that was one uh, domain that I definitely benefited from collaboration. And that's a great example because as, as engineers, I, I don't think we have that uh, great knowledge about the medical terms and medical terminology. So even if we were to read these papers, we'll be quite confused. So we have to work with people who are experts in that terminology. And and many times, maybe the same disease state is described by five, 10 different different words or terms. Exactly, yeah. You know, like a, a, some, a myocardial infarction, sometimes it's called a heart attack. Yes. So if somebody doesn't know it and they read this and say, okay, this is a one thing, myocardial infarction is one problem and heart attack is another problem, but they're the same thing. They're the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That, oh, that, I think that's an, that's an excellent example because this also emphasizes the need to have standardized terminology mm -hmm. for our harm terms in our risk management file, is it not? Right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's another challenge. Uh, even uh, within a company, uh, people describe uh, hazards or hazardous situations or failures all with different words. They need to come to some kind of a common language that they can communicate with each other. And that's just inside the company, let alone yeah. outside the company. And you know, one problem I have seen, Bijan, just to share with you is, you know, we have a complaints intake process in our organizations, right? And we use a lot of complaint codes. Mm -hmm. And many times uh, for the same disease state, for example, or harm, different complaint codes are there. And many times we use other. And <laughs> I have seen the other category to be sometimes having the highest frequency. Yeah. How do you fix that? So this is where I think working with uh, clinical folks to really develop standardized terminology for harm terms can be very powerful for our risk mm -hmm. management. That, that's a perfect example, Pijan. So yeah. I know in a, in a few uh, minutes, we will open up for discussion with our audience. But I was also curious to hear from you, based on your extensive experience, what are some of the common barriers to collaboration in our organization that you have seen and maybe some insights on how we can overcome those barriers. Yeah, I think uh, uh, collaboration uh, really requires uh, first willingness on all parties to collaborate. Uh, some people just maybe want to do it on their own, mm -hmm. which I don't think is the smart way to go. Uh, so willingness uh, and appreciation of the benefit that the group can have by collaboration. And uh, then uh, a sense of uh, safety uh, that uh, entering this collaboration uh, will be uh, respectful, uh, will be um, not abusive mm -hmm. uh, in terms of maybe intellectual property. Um, uh, and I think in a, within a company, uh, if we're talking about collaboration within a company, uh, management can set the culture of uh, 
that company, and that could be more conducive to collaboration. Uh, collaboration also requires a, a degree of generosity mm-hmm. uh, on the part of the collaborators uh, to be able to uh, don't see themselves as uh, lone players, but really as part of a team, and that uh, they they share what they know um, freely. Yeah, yeah, and you, we we all have to realize that the problem is really quite difficult for one person to solve and not mm-hmm. no one person has all the answers that's really that's very true uh, risk management has so many areas of complexity that really no one person can solve them all uh, you know when you have new areas like AI now coming into play uh, machine learning solving the management of risks of AI based machines yeah uh, and devices uh, is something that as right now the whole industry is grappling with. Uh, we just had uh, ISO TR 34971 that just came out um, with some initial answers. And even they say in the document itself that this is just the first shot at it. It's going to be evolving. Yeah. And, yeah. So we have to all work together. And I think this is this sets the stage perfectly for us to now talk about uh, this safety risk management conference you're organizing next year in Minnesota. Uh, that's one of the reasons why we want to do that is to bring people together and share knowledge, right? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so uh, uh, maybe some of you are aware, uh, I've posted it on my LinkedIn uh, page. Uh, we are having uh, the first international medical device safety risk management conference in Minneapolis, Minnesota on the 22nd of April, 2024. Um, this is a uh, by the way, deliberately uh, designed to be dovetailing with the INCOSI Systems Engineering Conference on Medical Devices, which uh, goes on the following day. So the safety conference is going to be on Monday, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are going to be the Systems Engineering Conference in the same city. So that was intentional. But um, I am just so excited about this conference. Uh, You know, I've gotten... uh, a large number of abstracts, proposals, uh, uh, speakers, top-notch speakers uh, from the industry, uh, experts, um, really world-class experts are coming to to speak and share knowledge. And this is, again, about collaboration, coming there to learn from each other. Uh, these speakers are generously offering their time and, and talents to come and share what they know with the rest of the world. Uh, it's just because I had insights into what they're going to talk about these by reading their abstracts, I, I, I can't tell you how excited I'm about it. Oh, that's that's super. So, um, colleagues, what we will do is that we'll share a link to uh, some information about this conference on this event page. And you can maybe follow up and make plans to join this conference if right. if you're able to. That'll be so exciting. So uh, one thing I want to add, uh, the conference at this point is in-person only. We haven't uh, established the ability to do uh, uh, remote uh, participation. Uh, that adds extra costs and complexities that we haven't managed yet. So, so at this point, it's in, in-person. So uh, capacity is limited. Uh, it's only $95, by the way, to mm-hmm. register. It's very, very cheap. Um, so uh, jump on it as soon as you can. That's awesome. So, uh, Bijan, I think this is a perfect time for us to open uh, the floor for conversation. And uh, guys, please feel free to share whatever you have in mind. 
would love to have you share your practical challenges that you have come across and how you have seen the benefit of collaboration. Or any other topic or question in your mind, as I mentioned before and as I open this um, discussion today, Bijan is really a global expert. Uh, anything that is on your mind is, is free, uh, but also please feel free to share your perspective on solving practical problems with uh, collaboration. So Gene, you have uh, joined us. I want to invite you to, uh, to unmute your mic and share what you have in mind. Hi, uh, so, so thank you for having this space. Something that I wanted to share that, that is challenging for, for risk management is, for example, when you are working for a company and that company acquired or um, purchased another company, mm -hmm. and that new company had like a, a different risk management scale. I have been in that situation um, it has been really, really challenged because at some point you, you need to address what has been assessed for that specific company. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes there are differences that trigger to go um, and perform a testing for the design standpoint and sometimes required to perform some level of re re remediation yeah. for the risk management file. Yeah. So, uh, in particular, in design, is really challenged yeah. because sometimes you have to go and assess that design verification evidence, and then trying to understand if you need to retest yeah. an specific requirement, and that usually takes time and money for the companies. Yeah, that's such a great point. Thank you for bringing that up, up Gene. And I know Bijan, you probably have a lot of experience in this space, so. Please go ahead and share what you have in mind there. Yeah, uh, uh, acquiring companies is something that is happening almost constantly. Uh, I've been uh, exposed to that. Um, Bichan, looks like we have lost you. For... Yes, we lost you for yeah. a moment. Go ahead, yeah. please. Yeah, um, I had a little connection issue for a second. Um, the, the thing that happens uh, is that the quality management system of the acquiring company is not nearly aligned and the same with the acquired company's quality management system. So you have different SOPs, different scales of risk estimation, and um, now you're trying to bring this new company's uh, product and their risk management under your umbrella. Uh, it, it, as Jean said, there's a lot of work to be done to uh, go through everything, including uh, the risk estimations, uh, the verification testing. And, but that verification testing, I think, is not so much to do with the quality management system because they have to be valid and, and, and correct. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, sometimes uh, I've had like uh, some companies that use a, a 1 to 10 scale for qualitative risk estimation, yeah. uh, whereas some, the, the, another company uses 1 to 5. Yeah. So then how do you map the 1 to 10 into 1 to 5? Yeah. That's so, a great. Yeah. That's a great practical example, and you know, I mean, I have also quite a lot of experience in this area. What I will add to what Bijan said is, we should not make the assumption that the acquired company's QMS is in any way inferior, right? We may. I think that's that's what I'm going with this conversation is that being an acquirer doesn't mean that we have all the best practices. 
Correct. And that's an opportunity for us to collaborate with a team that is coming and joining our family, set the right tone, set the right stage, and maybe learn some best practices from them and incorporate yeah. them within our system. Very true, uh, Naveen. Uh, it does, just because a company acquires another company, it doesn't mean that they're, they're superior. Right. Uh, they, could, they could even learn things. Uh, however, the thing that they have to do, the acquiring company has to do because they are the ones that are the manufacturer on record. Yes. They, are, they, they are the ones responsible to the notified body and regulatory yes. agencies. It's their job to uh, align the two QMSs. Yeah, so I think the alignment is the key word. Integration alignment is the key word. And I think that this allows us to, in many cases, and I've seen that in my practice, identify opportunities for improvement on both sides and gain efficiencies in the system by looking at a slightly different view. So uh, one, mm -hmm. one nice thing about in a situation like that is that you have total visibility when you acquire a company. Is basically you become one. So you have yep. total visibility to everything. Whereas collaboration is uh, easier. Yeah. But uh, um, when you're not, yeah. but because we're also talking about collaborating across company boundaries, uh, and then you don't have complete visibility, but you can just share generalities. Yes, yes. And which, which is uh, something that we are getting good practice of doing so in these forums, are we not? Yeah. Because that's the whole point. So guys, please uh, don't hold back. This is a great opportunity for us to share our thoughts and questions. Uh, Jean, stay so stay there. Another point I wanted to make also uh, about collaboration. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of the areas that uh, we all should do is to uh, look at publicly available information on, for example, device recalls and warning letters. These are good sources of knowledge. Yeah. But that takes time and work. So uh, one of the things that I appreciated about Naveen's uh, List Talk Risk newsletter is that he does this work for us. I don't have to then reinvent the wheel. I just... Uh, benefits from his work. So uh, this is another example of collaboration. Thank you, Bijan. Yes, uh, absolutely. I love doing it. And guys, uh, that resource is available to you. Please take advantage of that. And uh, I invite you to participate as well. So I know Roger and Taylor, you have joined us. Uh, Taylor, I'm going to give you the chance to go ahead. Please unmute your mic and share what you have in mind. Taylor, can you hear me? And people need to remember, they need to unmute when they join. <laughs> yeah. Start as muted. I see, Taylor. Uh, if you're having some difficulties, let's let's ho give you a few minutes. Roger, please unmute your mic and share what you have in mind. Uh, just wanted to comment in and say another thing that I've seen is where uh, a company, especially when you're a smallish company, uh, gets exposed to rapid growth. And many times you're, everyone gets uh, more comfortable as time goes on or does a better job, I should say, of risk assessment. Mm -hmm. But if you don't keep those old files up to date, you find yourself, it's almost a remediation condition. But in this case, it's because uh, you, it's, it's easy for the company to take their eyeball off of the work they should be doing just because the opportunities are uh, so tremendous if they're half if they're lucky enough to be in that situation where they're expanding really rapidly. Yeah, just a, a, a way to get caught. Uh, you don't want that to happen. That's a great point. So let's capture the knowledge that we have generated. Let's not reinvent the wheel. Maybe later on. That's a great point, Roger. Thank you for sharing. 
Yes. Taylor, uh, are you able to now join us? Please uh, unmute your mic and share what you have in mind. Yeah, can you hear me now? Yes, yes, we can. Okay, you. great. Sorry about that. Yeah, it was a little audio issue on my end. Um, yeah, first off, thanks again, Naveen, for having these each week. It's always uh, very beneficial and very excited. Uh, Bijan, for the uh, medical device conference, I got my ticket right away when I saw that. That's very awesome. Exciting. Yeah, nice. <laughs> nice. We'll see each other in person. I'm very excited for that. Um, yeah, one of the things that I wanted to highlight from part of the conversation that you guys have already had is, you know, there's many strengths as well as weaknesses uh, that is present in the standard and implementation of the standard practically. One of those things that you mentioned was, uh, for example, some ambiguity as it relates to definitions, um, for example, benefit risk as well as risk acceptability. Um, one of the things that I came across recently and I thought was interesting, I thought I'd bring it to the larger group is, um, the uh, semi-quantitative probability level. So that's kind of, uh, so obviously when we're setting up risk acceptability, one of the things we need to define, um, and depending on how evolved your system is, you may go with um, something that is more qualitative or more on the quantitative side. Um, and maybe you've set up your acceptability tables um, and all of that. Now, one of the things that's very common is the uh, bucket that's considered most frequent uh, doesn't really have a high end, right? So, yeah. for example, sometimes it'll be one in a thousand to uh, at, greater than one in a thousand, essentially. Um, and one of the weaknesses there is um, we lose the ability to have a top end on that. Um, so, you know, one of the questions we came up with recently was how are we continuously evaluating um, the complaint data in a way that we're comfortable um, with being in that highest probability category and um, how do we assess that uh, long term. I just wanted to see if you guys have run into that and um, if there's any other um, weaknesses that you've guys seen in the in the standard as well. Great point, Taylor. Uh, Bijan, please go ahead if you have something. Yeah, so Taylor, uh, in this example that you gave, uh, do you have any occurrences in the lowest probability categories? Sure, absolutely. Okay, so you have a, the whole, you're using the whole spectrum. Then. Absolutely, yeah. I was going to say if you're not using the lower spectrum, <laughs> change your scale. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. So okay, um, you're talking about then how do you uh, use your post-market data? to be more meaningfully using the highest probability category? That's mm -hmm. a question, yeah. Well, you know, uh, you as a company have defined what the highest category is. So you're saying, mm -hmm. for example, if anything is greater than one in a thousand, that's uh, uh, frequent. That's that's the top, mm -hmm. top grade, right? Um, so whether it's like, uh, you know, one one in a thousand, or two in a thousand, or three in a thousand, or or or, or a thousand in a thousand is all. It's just it's all as bad. I think from mm -hmm. in your scale. Um, I think maybe one of the challenges is uh, is that really how do you discern from your post market data, for example, complaint data, uh, really what has happened, uh, so that you can properly classify it and count it in the right bucket. Um, yeah, actually, uh, Taylor, you know. I, I have encountered this, and I, I think I have an understanding where you're going with this. Most frequent, when we say greater than one in a thousand, we are saying that there are there are some situations where, where one in a thousand could be acceptable, 
but more than one in a thousand may also be okay, right? And there's no other scale, so there's no top limit. And I think people are concerned that, hey, maybe it applies to lowest severity. And in that case, are we going to live with too many quality problems if we have a very high rate, which has no ceiling on our acceptability, right? This is where I have seen this problem come up. And what I have then asked the team to consider is, this is not just a safety issue as well. Now we have to think about maybe customer satisfaction. And of course, you're doing 14,971. And you are saying greater than one in a thousand for severity one might be acceptable. But hey, if I'm 10 in a thousand, that is really bad. So talk to the stakeholders and put an upward limit. I don't think we are uh, saying we should not have an upward limit. In fact, I do believe we should have an upward limit, but that should be somehow tied to the customer satisfaction piece. I hope that makes sense to you. Uh, yeah. I don't want to <laughs> take the whole time, but I thought I'll share that with you. But I know, Ed, you have joined and we have very little time left. So, Ed, please share what you have in mind. Sure, Naveen. Um, can you hear me okay? Yes, we can hear you loud okay. and clear. Go ahead. Very good. Um, recently, uh, the uh, committee that runs ISO 1345 posted a questionnaire online about improvements that you would like to see in that standard. And, of course, that standard does include risk management, and there's some... Uh, um, response that I had, but at any rate, um, since um, Taylor brought up what he felt were weaknesses in the standard, we will have an opportunity to comment on 14971 uh, at the five-year point, uh, which will be a year from next month. Um, there should be, at some point, a uh, question from uh, the Standards Committee posted to the National Committees um, to uh, allow you to comment on what you feel are weaknesses in the standard. But the obligation there is for you to uh, identify how you would change it to overcome those uh, weaknesses. So um, keep that in mind and develop those things as, as it comes because there will be, will be an opportunity uh, for you to bring those comments to the Standards Committee. And um, I will mention that up to this point, uh, all of the revisions of 14971 um, have been done not to change the process, mm -hmm. but to improve the guidance in the process. So every time, and I think last time we had 60 comments on improving the guidance. So um, please uh, collect that information and put it together in in uh, some kind of submission that you want to have, and you can look at the uh, the 1345 uh, comment structure. They had a uh, question and answer thing on think on there. Um, so uh, it's it's on LinkedIn. So uh, look at it, and you can comment on that one as well. Great, thank you for bringing that uh, here, Ed. Certainly, uh, you know when the time comes, you know we'll have maybe some more discussion on this, Ed, and a reminder to folks. To contribute to that um, sort of uh, That's another example of collaboration. Perfect. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, guys, I know we have run out of time as always. So, I'm going to give Bijan just uh, uh, one or two minutes to collect his thoughts and share some key sort of takeaway messages. But in the meantime, I want to again re-emphasize a couple of housekeeping notes for you. Uh, first of all, next week is Thanksgiving in the U.S., so we're going to be celebrating Thanksgiving, and as such, we won't have our weekly 
LTR conversation next week, but we'll come back the week after. Those of you who are new uh, to this discussion, guys, know that we meet generally every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern. Usually I post an announcement for the following week on my LinkedIn feed, but you can mark it on your calendar if you are interested in these conversations. No registration is required, just show up. And finally, you know that the recordings of these conversations are available on the Let's Talk Risk newsletter. And as an announcement, I have now created a dedicated space on the newsletter where you can find the recordings for easy access. And that's actually a podcast page where you can even download these recordings to uh, listen to at a later time. So I'm trying to create like a more uh, easy, accessible sort of environment for you to benefit from these discussions, but they are available. With that, um, guys, I want to just open the floor again for Bijan to share just two or three key takeaway points. Go ahead, Bijan. Yeah, uh, there, as you probably have noticed yourselves, there is no shortage of tough problems in risk management. And uh, this community, I think, is here to help. Uh, we are all, for example, on this, these calls and weekly calls with Navi and other forums, like in uh, conferences. We can get together, talk about the problems, and I assure you, talking to each other will open up ways and solutions that you may have not imagined. So do take advantage of the community and um, collaborate. Yeah, thank you, Bijan, for that call out. And guys, it works both ways, right? So let's not think that, you know, we, are, we have only experts here and we just need to listen to them. And Bijan knows a lot. I have some experience. Ed knows a lot. All these people who come and talk, but I want you to know that all of you, without exception, have experiences and insight that you can share. So I want you to feel like you have already so much to contribute to this partnership. And that's how the community is built. It's not one-way communication. So I hope you will uh, participate and be open to sharing your perspectives and insights in our future conversations. With that, guys, I want to thank all of you for attending. Those of you in the U.S. who are celebrating Thanksgiving next week, have a Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. And uh, thanks, thanks all for connecting again. We will see you in a week from now. Have fun, everybody. Take care and uh, bye.